with any city annexation, taxes will rise for many residents and businesses. But cities argue this will ultimately benefit those who become incorporated. I'm Bob Zaltzberg, editor of the Herald Times, and on this week's Noon Edition, we'll be discussing the city of Bloomington's recently proposed annexation of certain areas surrounding the current incorporated city limits. Some are asking, are the current city limits outdated and in need for expansion, or is the city of Bloomington just trying to enlarge its tax base? We'll talk about those issues after the news. Production support comes from Smithville Fiber, the GigaCity Company, a philanthropic community partner since 1922 and proud supporter of numerous community organizations. More information at smithville.com. And School of Public Health Bloomington, Public Health Reimagined, addressing 21st century health challenges with a multidisciplinary approach to disease prevention, health promotion, and enhancing quality of life publichealth.indiana.edu. Welcome to Noon Edition. I'm Bob Zaltzberg, editor of the Herald Times, along with WFIU-WTIU News Bureau Chief Sarah Whitmire. And last week, the uh, Bloomington City Council made their first considerations on the city's proposed annexation efforts. And today we're going to talk about the annexation plan for the city, what it might mean for uh, the city of Bloomington, Monroe County, and those living in the area. And uh, we hope that you'll join us and our guests today. We have four guests. Um, Susan Sandberg is with us. She's a member of the city council, the president of the city council, and an at-large council member. Mick Renison is deputy mayor of the city of Bloomington, and Marty Hawk is a Monroe County council member. And also to be joining us uh, soon is Chance Jeffress, who is a business owner, the owner of Jumpin' Joey's. You can follow us on Twitter, at Noon Edition, or you can join us on the air by calling in at 812-855-0811 in Bloomington or toll-free at 1-877-285-9348 outside of the Bloomington calling area. I would imagine most of our calls for, will come from inside of Bloomington, but or inside of Monroe County, I should say, today, but we'll, we'll find out. Mick, I wanted to start with you and have you sort of give us the background on the annexation plan. It's uh, kind of complicated in some ways, but and simple in some others, right? Give us a simple part. Well, I, I think the starting point I would give you is that um, annexation obviously has some pain points for people because it hasn't been done for a while. And that's fair enough. If, if, you, if we haven't had this discussion as a community for a number of years, and you have to rewind to 2004, for the last significant annexation, there was a voluntary one in 2007, very small, um, then it's understandable most people may not have ever gone through this process, may not ever been impacted by it, and it doesn't bother you if it doesn't touch your, your property, and that's understandable. So why now? I would probably pose the question, we should have been doing this all along. If you do it incrementally, like has been done for 199 years of the city's history, then we probably wouldn't have all these areas that feel massive, I'm sure, to the people impacted by that, but rather it would be a smaller subset of properties. 
Uh, so I think to start with, it's an abnormally long period of time for us to have not annexed the city's boundaries as they have urbanized around us, because that's what drives annexation. As urbanization occurs, you want the city's boundaries to reflect where that urbanization is. It's more efficient to deliver services that way, makes more sense from a planning perspective because there's one entity that's planning for all the jurisdiction and it's more predictable then for developers and landowners. Mm-hmm. Um, and then there's the public safety and a whole lot of other things we can talk about. I'm sure you have questions about that. But, but mm-hmm. first and foremost, this is something that should have been done regularly. It wasn't for a while. Mayor Hamilton has indicated when he was campaigning and subsequently since he's been in office, since we've been uh, the new administration, I say new, but it's been over a year now, um, that this is something that we wanted to discuss as a community. So um, I think those are the starting points for why now and uh, why is it taking so long would be another way to look at this. So just to uh, sort of paint a word picture for those who may not have you know, seen any maps of this or been following it to date. So it's about 10,000 acres in, and it would take in about another 15,000 residents into the city if all this annexation is approved. If you were to look at a map of the city of Bloomington, there are, are areas, and this is broken down into seven areas, therefore the areas sort of surround the city. And then there are these three little islands in the city. And I guess I want to ask you about the little islands in the city. How do how do those little areas wind up not being annexed at some point along the way before we get to, to this point? Well, that, that's an interesting question. I, we weren't in the position to make the call to do that earlier, but I lived in one of those areas uh, earlier before it was annexed, and you'll, you won't believe this, but in the mid-1980s, early 1980s, right next to Bryant Park was not in the city. I owned a house on South Park Avenue right by the pool, and it was not in city limits. It was surrounded by the city. So how do those things happen? Who knows? Uh, probably Sarkastarzi in the industry and some agreement that was made a long time ago kept that area out of the city until it made no sense for it not to be incorporated into the city. Mm-hmm. Those three areas, three, four, and five, are much like that. They, mm-hmm. they obviously are surrounded by the city, have been for a long time. They make sense mm-hmm. to be in the city limits. Uh, Renwick is now in the city limits but wasn't not that long ago. Can you imagine everything around that being city and then having this property, which was then farmland, mm-hmm. um, which is why you typically don't annex something if it's agricultural. You're, it's not part of the city. It's not, it's not um, urbanized, and so therefore why, why annex it? So th- those are some of the things that mm-hmm. maybe have carved out those spaces over time, and then they've urbanized, and it just makes sense to add those three islands back in. I want to ask uh, Susan Sandberg from the City Council about your reaction to these discussions and, and you know, what, what are some of the Council's questions and concerns? Well, our City Council is very good at asking questions. <laughs> um, and I can guarantee you they are ongoing as this um, plan has been brought to our attention. We first got the folder with the maps and the financial information on February 3rd at an internal work session. And ever since that point, we have certainly been um, asked questions of our constituents, of people outside that are perhaps going to be impacted. And so we're scrambling to try to understand it ourselves to be able to get out in front of what questions people will have. Um, This predates me. I mean, I came on to the City Council in 2007. This is my third term, but as Mick suggests, this is our first opportunity to take a look at a process that that includes annexation, and it's big. It is a, uh, a large packet for us to consider. 
One thing I can assure uh, the listeners and the public is this is the very beginning of a long process that will include much debate and discussion amongst other stakeholders, including our county colleagues, including the township uh, leadership. Um, this will be debated and not everything that is in the current packet that we were all presented with will be found to be appropriate. I mean, there's a lot of discussion about the fine points. So I look forward to that discussion. And I particularly look forward to that discussion in lieu of the, in, in because four of us had the opportunity to engage with the county and with uh, Ellisville and certain small districts in Steinville to talk about the lit for public safety. And the four of us on council, that was myself, the, lit, the, lit the local income tax okay. pertaining to the public safety, which was our first opportunity to talk about that and decide how some of those allocations were going to go to the townships. That was a very fruitful discussion. That allowed those of us on the city council to work with um, the two representatives were um, Mr. Cobine and Ms. Munson, um, Todd Oldham from Ellettsville, and we learned a lot about township needs and how their fire departments and their you know, first responders were operating and came to, I think, some fairly collegial understandings about what their needs were and how to help allocate some of that local income tax dollars for their needs. These are the kinds of discussions I look forward to having coming forward. I think there's a lot of discussion about, oh, this just got sprung on us, you know. But now is the beginning of the opportunity to talk in a very calculated way, to take a look at the financial plans, and to come to compromises and agreements on how best to move forward with this annexation. Okay. Yeah. What is this timeline? Though I, I know that's been something that we've heard a lot about, is that maybe it's too quick. So. Well, the, as uh, Council President Sandberg mentioned, you, you have to have a starting point. And, and the resolutions that the Council passed were simply that, announcing that we're in the discussion mode. There's no ordinances. There's nothing that's been voted on and nothing will be voted on until the council's ready to put it on their agenda for that, that vote. Now, we've got a timeline that suggests that could happen by late June, but that may not be true. That's, that's completely up to our council, and that will be based on the public input that we hear along the way. So the public input sessions coming up, I think, are really important. There's, there's uh, six of them in a row from March 20th to 25th. Um, those are just points where we want people to be able to come in at multiple times and uh, different times on each of those days to interact with staff, get their questions answered. We're constantly updating our frequently asked question document on the website. I'll say it more than once today. If you have questions, the maps, the fiscal plans, all of the information about annexation is at bloomington.in.gov annex, and we urge people to do that. Um, Property owners who have parcels that are in the intended annexation areas have received letters, certified letters saying, yes, you are one of the parcels that would be affected intentionally so that by law you have to. But beside that, we want people to have their questions answered so they understand the impacts to them. So I hope people don't get too wrapped up in, oh, this feels like it's rushed. It's just starting, but you have to have a starting point. And if we parcel it out, piece by piece, little by little, whoever was the first one to hear it was going to share it. And if it wasn't shared uniformly to everyone at the same time, it, it had its own set of challenges to do it that way. So uh, strategically, we said, well, here's where, where we start. It's announced. It's public. And then from here to the time that it ends, that will be determined by the council and the public as 
discussions continue. We want to make sure everybody's questions are answered. I want to come back to this timeline in a minute, but I want to get Marty Hawk on the on the air first. Marty's a member of the county council, and and I, Marty's not shy about asking questions either. So what what are your uh, what are your concerns and your questions going forward? Absolutely, of course. My first concern is about the citizens out there and the way they're going to be affected, not just the citizens within the proposed annexation area, but also the citizens that sit outside of that annexation and how they're going to be affected because of the change in how their dollars are going to be used and what dollars are going to be left to provide services. We'll still have to have to provide. Also, the citizens within the town, within the city of Bloomington, when they raise tax rates, that's going to raise it on everyone because they will have to have a debt tax uh, put in place to provide some of these capital items, uh, which has not, as I could see, been included in their projections. But given that and having met with the citizens and so forth, um, what we see is that the dollars that will be uh, taken away from the fire departments will leave those fire departments unable to provide their mission without some additional tax. And, of course, the townships are responsible for providing fire protection. So it, the part that doesn't get annexed, those townships will still have to provide the fire protection. We're very concerned about the Ellsville Fire Department because their revenue is going to be cut. Our school revenue is going to be cut when we hit the circuit breakers, and we will hit them hard in the Richland Bean Blossom School District area. It also will affect the revenue for the Monroe County Community School System when it comes to hitting the circuit breakers, as many of these properties will. Remember, if you hit the amount of property tax you have to pay that's any more than 1% of your assessed value, you don't have to pay it, nobody else has to pay it, and all the taxing units will lose the dollars. Now, as far as representing county government, what I would like for people to know, as they come to me and say, well, look, the city's going to raise their taxes by some... uh, someplace we heard nine million then surely everybody else can reduce it by that same amount so let's let's say if i'm off by that dollar but let's say that we try to understand what we can and cannot do in county government in county government we we have to provide uh, the dollars for the courts city doesn't do that we have to provide the dollars for the jail for the prosecutor for the public defender for the reassessment for the health department for the aviation for the clerk's office for the treasurer's office i mean on and on and none of these services will be uh, lessened by this it will just really increase uh, we we had really counted on and and continue to count on our revenue from income tax because of the state circuit breaker and the uh, property tax caps, we have throughout the state relied more and more on raising the income tax. We are, from Monroe County government, going to lose, if everything moves forward with this, what has been projected, the first year in just the lit, not the public safety lit, just the regular lit, the first year would be almost $800,000. And then the following year, it's going to be an additional 229000 So it's over a million dollars that we will be receiving. And that's how we have to provide 
for our sheriff's department, every one of our responsibilities. Our bridge fund is also inside that frozen levy. And many counties are reducing their responsibility for bridge fund and saving that money for elsewhere. Remember, the county's responsible for every bridge in this county, including in the city, of every bridge that's over 20 feet long. So we we can't afford to reduce the bridge fund. So I want to also share, and I know many people are very concerned about the library. The library, the first year of this, they will lose $158,426, and the second year, another 40000 on top of that. So it's about 200000 now. That doesn't mean just one year. That means every year that they will lose that. So they'll be scrambling. And so until all of these numbers are are understood, but we also understand that we just put in place a public safety tax that we were counting on to provide hopefully a work release center and put more law enforcement on the road and cover expenses, the jail and, and other things, one of which was close to everybody's heart. We wanted to have that sex crimes deputy put in place, which we budgeted in that public self um, dollars. And we're going to be losing the first year, if this goes forward, uh, $271,425. And then at the following year, it will bump up to $327,000. Remember, in the regular uh, 1%, local income tax as we've had in the past the city nor any other taxing unit was credited for their debt because it's a total footprint of your public of your property tax that tells you how much you get to pull out of that income tax and so the state said a long time ago we're not going to let you uh, collect more income tax by just raising your debt. However, with the public safety tax, they have re- removed that and said, yes, you can include your debt. So as the city includes more and more debt to cover for this annexation cost, then that will then provide more dollars uh, that they will get out of the public safety. Uh, it doesn't mean it's going to generate more dollars. It just means everybody else gets less. Okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna dumb this down a little bit because you just threw a lot of numbers at. I'm us. sorry. No, 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 that's all right. I don't know how else to get that's, it done. No, quickly. no, no, no. That that's all right. But I mean, that there are, you know, the annexation would would have some um, effect on property taxes, and what you're saying, Marty, is that also there are local option income taxes that you're relying more heavily on, and those local income taxes will then go to the city because they wouldn't be going to you, right? That's correct. Right, right. That's correct. And Ellisville will also lose mm-hmm. uh, as well in that. Ellisville and Steinsville gets a small proportionate share. Right. And and but yet that your the the uh, services that you provide in the county would not go down commensurate with the city taking over certain no, services. We'll still have to provide the service. Right. And just as an example, in Richland Township alone, it uh, when you hit an assessed value of like $137,000, I think it is, of any property, you start hitting that circuit breaker mm-hmm. in Richland Township. Mm-hmm. So this is going to be a $200,000 property. We will see a loss of about $400,000 for each property that hits that $200,000. And that is if it if they have the homestead credits. If you have a little rental house, you would have you don't have any of those credits. So you might have to pay up to 2% of that total assessed value of your property. Mick, let me go back to you. 
Well, I just wanted to uh, to address a couple things that, that Councilmember Hawk said. And it, it, while it's true there are some changes in the distribution of the funding sources from city to county, it's also true that the city picks up a lot more expenses as it relates to the cost of delivering services. The county, as, as Councilmember Hawk has said, has a very prescribed set of duties that are different from the city. So the city and the county um, fundamentally have different things that they're responsible to do first and foremost. And then we overlap in some places, right? We both have roads, we both have public safety, uh, we both have parks. So some of those responsibilities and those overlapping areas that are not pre-described as separate county functions become the city's responsibility. We now have to take care of your roads and annexed areas. That will reduce the cost of service delivery for the county. We have to pick up more public safety protection. It does have impacts on some of the fire districts, all of which I would mention to not just Councilmember Hawk, but also all of our county elected officials. We want to talk to you about that. We know you're studying the impacts now. You should be. You should compare them to our fiscal analysis. And then we want to get together and figure out these impacts and make it, it's a negotiable item. Some of these things, quite frankly, have end, will end up in interlocal agreements that will allow us to hopefully mitigate some of the challenges that, that Councilmember Hawk has mentioned. But it, it, I've heard this term before, and I want to just get it out there. This is not a money grab by the city. You get more revenue, you have more expenses. It's a net neutral. In some cases, some areas are a loss, and you subsidize them with other resources. The intent is not to grab money as it's, as it's going to create some extra funding source. Mm -hmm. It creates extra expense as well. Mm -hmm. Marty, quickly, and then we're going to take okay. a break. I just wanted to make sure that when we're discussing the loss of revenue for our highway, local road and street and so forth, that has nothing to do with this tax that I just said that dollars we're going to lose. That is funded entirely with a different dollar uh, and different revenue stream. So, yes, we're going to see a, lot, a great loss of revenue for our highway department. We'll also receive... Uh, less responsibility. Mm -hmm. So, but I wanted to make sure that no one thought that we could make up the highway loss out of these income taxes. That's not the way it works. Okay. If I could just quickly say too that having served on the intergovernmental local income tax, and also Mick and I have been sitting in on the community corrections task force, we are very mindful of the fact that we in the city of Bloomington need to have the strong services of the jail and the court. And we love our library. I mean, and we are residents of Monroe County. The city of Bloomington is very much impacted by what Monroe County can provide. And so when Mick says we are here to sit down at the table, all of the stakeholders, to talk about what's this going to mean, and we are all at the very beginning stages of also right. An right. analyzing this fiscal mm -hmm. material that we have. We are nowhere near, and when I say we, I'm talking about my colleagues on the city council who are very good at asking questions. We're asking many of the same mm -hmm. things. How is this going to affect townships? How is this going to affect mm -hmm. our colleagues on the county council. So rest assured, we are all very interested and engaged um, in talking to the public, assuring them, as well as assuring that we want this to be a strong county, and we certainly want the city of Bloomington to lead forward as a regional leader, mm -hmm. uh, to, to stay strong economically in every other which way. And this needs to be a situation where we do come together and work together so we do understand the impacts, and then we work together to make it work out the best, which is what we did. We did the best we could with that public safety tax. I hope that we will, as a local income tax council, come together and 
have a meeting of elected officials going over these numbers so that we can understand where we're coming from. Because what's being presented by the mayor is is that's only the presentation. It is simply up to the city council to say yes or no on each of these uh, proposed annexation plans. There's seven of them. Or to reduce any of them or to say no to all of them. It is their charge. And so we look forward to making sure that we're all on the same page, understand the numbers, and then whatever decision is made, we'll just all have to live with. Mm-hmm. But it's important to get the information out. We have a system of separation of powers here in Monroe County. All right. Uh, we're going to have to take a short break. You're listening to Noon Edition. We'll be right back. This is Noon Edition on WFIU. Production support comes from Smithville Fiber, online at smithville.com, and IU School of Public Health Bloomington, online at publichealth.indiana.edu. WFIU News covers South Central Indiana and the state each day. You can read news throughout the day as it's posted on our website at wfiunews.org. And you can pick up a digest of all the top stories. It's like a newspaper delivered to your inbox each weekday afternoon. It's a free and easy way to stay on top of not only the headlines, but also the in-depth audio, video, and print news stories you can't get anywhere else. Subscribe right now at WFIUNews.org. Welcome back to Noon Edition. I'm Bob Zaltzberg. Times along with uh, my co-host Sarah Whitmire, the WFIU-WTIU News Bureau Chief, and we have four guests. We're we're talking. We're really rolling on the annexation issues here in Bloomington. Um, Susan Sandberg is the City Council President and an at-large member of the Bloomington City Council. Mick Renizen is Deputy Mayor of the City of Bloomington, and Marty Hawk is Monroe County Monroe County Council member um, who represents the Ellisville area, right? Uh, the whole west side, the whole west actually. Side. So yeah. a lot of the area one, the biggest amount that is being annexed, right. is in my district. Right. So uh, we have those three here in the studio, and we're, we're expecting a, a business owner, Chance Jeffress, to join us here in the second half of the program as well. If you have questions or comments, please give us a call at, at 812-855-0811 in Bloomington or one 877 59348 outside of the Bloomington area. And you can also follow us on Twitter at Noon Edition. So I just want to sort of chime in and say, you know, you all are talking about, you know, the city and your city responsibilities as a city council member, deputy mayor, and, and Marty Hawk as a county council member. And at the end of the day, you all represent individuals and you're trying to do the best. Everybody's trying to do the best for the individuals that they represent. So we're all sort of on the same team here. We're just trying to get to the final, the best solution we can get to here. Uh, Mick, I want to go back to the timeline question because I know that that um, 
there are some things going through the – or there were some things going through the, the legislature, expected to go through the legislature, could, that could change the way annexation law uh, is written in Indiana. And, uh, you know, I'm sort of under the impression that you're looking at that June 28th date because it would – it would get in under the wire of any changes in annexation. Is that true? Not true. Well, it's a function of several things. So our our council takes a break in July. Their last meeting is June 28th, Susan, is that yes. right? Mm-hmm. June 28th. And they take a one-month recess before we come back and do budgets in August. And budgets consume not only a lot of time on council's part, but on staff's part preparing for it and then the public's part because the attention then becomes on the city's budget for 2018. And that process goes through August, September. And I know the, the council, uh, the county does the same thing. You, I don't know about your breaks, but I know that you, you, talk about budget, <laughs> you talk about budgets in August and you have the same timeline deadline that we do in terms of getting it to the State Board of Accounts and, and get it approved. So we were mindful of two things. One, uh, that that was going to impact our schedule, that this, this, the break that is pre-described in our council's schedule is July. And we didn't think having a break in the middle of this discussion was necessarily a good thing. So we, we back-timed it from that date. And then, of course, as the session was going on, we were paying attention to what was going on at the state, and we always will. Uh, and there were some targeted bills that, that maybe would have changed annexation processes yet again. Mm-hmm. Um, and this has changed a lot. I, I've been around the city for 36 years as an employee, and I can't tell you the last time that we did it, I was intimately involved, but I know the process today is different than it was 14 years ago, and the states changed it in recent years. So we, we don't know. And so no, knowing, a f- at least knowing the g- rules of the game now did impact us because mm-hmm. if they change, well, that, that changes a lot of things too. Okay. So I, I think there were, it's fair to say we're watching what the state's doing, but more importantly, we were back timing it from when the council was taking a break, and then we knew we would go right into budget development and budget approval. Gotcha. Mm-hmm. Marty, Jess, oh, Right. The Senate Bill 381, which many of us had hoped would pass, um, because it would have slowed the process down, and it would have given more input from the county so that we could all sit down and maybe negotiate how some of this was going to work. It didn't pass. It died in committee. Uh, the committee, um, the senator who was in charge of that committee, he called for the vote. He thought he had his votes, and after the vote came down, and there was an empty chair sitting there, and they just kept looking at the numbers, and he didn't even want to say what the final numbers were, and it, it failed. It lost, lost by one vote. Uh, so that, unless it, they uh, revive that in some other legislation, uh, that Senate Bill 381 is gone. Okay. And I think that certainly had a lot to do, well, anybody would have thought at least it would have had something to do with it having to happen before July 1. Mm-hmm. Because if it doesn't happen before July 1, according to that bill, then they would have, the um, city would have had to meet with the the county. Mm-hmm. Well, I, I think what to, to would have had to have met with the county. We we plan on meeting with and have offered to meet with the county. So I don't want our audience to think that mm-hmm. we're stiff arming right. the county. We we definitely yeah. want to have those conversations. And secondly, this discussion about annexation started a year ago, and the fiscal planning on our side started a year ago. It takes a long time to produce the massive document mm-hmm. that Councilmember Hawk mentioned as part of fiscal planning. So. Uh, we didn't fast forward this. We had started the discussions a year ago in the city, at least, for all the, the work internally that has to happen. So I don't want anybody to get this false impress- impression that we knew that there was going to be some bill introduced in session 
and that impacted our schedule. We'd scheduled this a year ago. We started working on this more than a year ago. Mm -hmm. In my work as an employee, as a department head, we've done fiscal planning internally more than once, and it never went forward. It would get to that point, and then the administration at the time decided not to pursue it. With respect to the timeline that is in front of the city council, we are a body that typically will ask the administration, can we have more time to consider things? We are actually looking at that internal schedule to see where we might be able to extend some time to do this negotiation that's going to be such a critical part of this. And please understand, though, there are some state mandates as to when the clock starts on certain things. You've got 30-day window here. You've got a 90-day day. So we've got to look at the legalities of how much we can extend. We are mindful that we're bumping right up against our budget hearings, which is the most critical function that we, we serve. Um, and so we do have to take a look at this calendar and be mindful of how much more time do we need in order to get this right, to make sure that all seven of the proposals have been adequately vetted, any problems we've resolved. And we know that this big report that we got from the consultants, that is going to change. That won't be ultimately what will be voted on when the time comes to vote. Um, with respect to this bill, our understanding is even though it did not come out of committee, it could come back. And another thing with respect to timing has to do with the period of time for the adjustments for the proper planning once it is voted on because it does not go into effect until 2020. And that's when the census also occurs. And so that's another thing that's looming large for the administration with the best possible timing for people to adjust to whatever comes out of this annexation. We have a phone call. And so Mike is from Bloomington and Mike's not really eager to be annexed. So Mike, go ahead. Hi. Hi. I live on the west side of Bloomington, uh, Marty Hawk uh, District. Um, nobody on the west side of Bloomington wants to be annexed because our tax will go through the roof and in exchange we'll get nothing. So I'm asking Marty Hawk to please prevent this from happening. Thank you very much. I would, may I respond? Sure, yeah. Well, I certainly appreciate the citizen becoming involved, and, and I hope more will, and so that we can all know what's going on. But, but to be very clear, the county council has no vote in this. Um, there's absolutely not one thing we can do other than try to present all the facts. I want to try to present them fairly. I'm not making up numbers here that I spoke of later. I'm going by numbers that... Uh, using the city's projections as well. I just want to get the facts on the table so everybody knows where we're headed. Um, But I do understand where he's coming from. And since our business person has not arrived, I would really like to uh, weigh in on that because we've already been uh, told, it was in the newspaper, Steve Ferguson of Cooks, uh, what would we do in this county without Cooks and what they have done for this county to grow jobs and, and to keep those dollars here and my concern is that when you meet with the different uh, job creators they don't have to stay in this county much of that can go to any county and we would really not want to lose job creation so there's concern that this will affect that job creation because 
just because those jobs are setting within the TIF does not mean they won't be paying that extra tax. Um, another question we got from somebody living on the west side is they are in a development that signed a waiver? The developer signed the waiver, so they're asking, does that mean they cannot fight the annexation if the developer signed a waiver? So, so that's a, a good observation about the waiver and what that means. So when the city extended sewer service outside of its jurisdiction, and, and these are two terms that um, some people will remember, and if you haven't lived here a long time, these may not mean anything to you, but the area intended for annexation, or AFA or the two-mile fringe, they're not exactly the same, but, but generally speaking, if you've heard those two terms, you know that the city extended sewer service, and we asked people, property owners, parcel owners at the time as the sewer services were extended, you now can, are being asked to sign a waiver that says you aren't going to object to, to annexation because you're getting something the city is providing you that they don't have to provide. So when the time comes, that waiver is held up and said, well, you, you, you can't fight this. now." You know, anyone can go hire a lawyer and see if it's all been properly recorded, and, and that's true, and there's nothing wrong with doing that. But there are a significant number of waivers that have been signed in these areas that were intended for annexation that have been on the books for 20 years. Um, and that may be that the current owner, the person who has this question, um, may not know that. It should be in your deed. It should be reflected as, as a deed, something in the deed that restricts or at least lets the, the, the present property owner know that. But we do understand some people aren't going to understand that because they didn't sign it when it originally happened. It still goes with the property. And as, as the uh, property owner asked about you know, signing a waiver and can't fight this, I think to clarify, and Mick, you, I think I heard this from you, so correct me if I'm wrong. So state law allows for 50% of the property holders in the area to um, to remonstrate, to sign in a remonstrance against something, and then it could go into court. And if 65% sign a remonstrance, then the annexation would be defeated, correct? So, so all that, I'm, I'm not technically 100% sure, um, but I will find the answer. I mean, okay. It's on our website, but in, in the, not trying to read through a bunch of papers, mm -hmm. I will say there is a remonstrance process, uh -huh. and that, that would be after the ordinances, if, if these ordinances are adopted, right. whenever that is, June, July, August, whenever they are, then there's a 90-day period for that remonstrance period. And yeah. then these people that signed, anybody, anybody who signed a waiver essentially signed away their opportunity to sign the remonstrance. That's right. right. Oh, so that was their question, yeah. is that they didn't sign it personally. The That's developer right. did and mm -hmm. then built this big subdivision. It goes with the live. property. It goes with back, the property. In speaking to the caller who said, we're not getting anything, these are individuals that are getting city services without being part of the corporate boundaries. So mm -hmm. that is kind of in lieu of, which is why that was signed. It's almost a twist on, it's almost like representation without taxation. Right. Well, I mean, <laughs> it does go two ways. It does One of the things ways. I think that is we haven't really discussed, but you know, you uh, you will get some things you you don't currently get from the county, and 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 one of those is sanitation services and recycling. So you you would get that as part of that. Now the county provides sheriff coverage as public safety, and they have township fire departments and fire districts, and so you know the the city would be responsible for providing those services out in the annexed areas to a, a possibly a different level than what the county has now. I, I think in the fiscal plan, Marty, you, you correct me if this is inaccurate, but uh, the sheriff has maybe three cars on the road at any one time. The city's coverage is greater than that now. It's somewhere between nine and 10 at any one time. We would have the same standard of delivery of public safety that we have currently in the city limits 
would extend to the annexed areas. Um, you don't get a vote for anything in Bloomington now. You don't get a vote for city council members or the mayor. If you're annexed, you get a vote. I don't know if people think that's good or bad, but it is, it is a factor. You get, to, you get a voice. You get a vote on those things that happen within the community that you live. And to the people who live just right across the border now, you know, I, I get it. No one wants to pay more taxes. But don't you benefit from all the things across the street in Bloomington? Don't you benefit from the vitality that happens as a result of city-county cooperation? And, and did we not annex? Otherwise, we would not look any different than we did when we started 199 years ago. We'd be this little tiny island around the courthouse square and never anything grew. And that's not very logical to assume that was never going to change. I'm going to give our phone numbers again, then we're going to Marty, then we're going to Susan, then we're going to Sarah, and then we'll go to Mick. All right, 812-855-0811 in Bloomington or toll-free 1-877-285-9348 outside of the Bloomington area. And you can also follow us on Twitter at Noon Edition. Marty. Okay, one of the things that has been uh, – said that w- would be an additional service was transportation. However, because this really isn't going to be raising a lot of extra dollars for Bloomington Transit, uh, one of the things the mayor said in a meeting yesterday, or maybe it was after the meeting when he was talking with me, uh, had to do with in order to have those dollars that, that he alluded to legislation at the state to raise another tax. So to say, well, transportation will be available, well, not necessarily. So if you if you favor this and you live out in the hinterlands and you're being annexed and you think a bus is going to show up at your door, I do not think that is going to happen. So what what is there still going to be a big push for uh, legislation of the state for, for new transportation tax or the Income Tax Council, uh, which the city is in control of because they have the number of votes for it, uh, will they raise the income tax again um, like we did with public safety tax and put it toward economic development and use those dollars for transportation? Those are all things that, that could be on the table. And remember that the city, the presentation on the on the fiscal, I believe, was on the, what, the 28% or something revenue, but they only get like, uh, I think it's something like 15% automatic uh, because they're annexing, and they will have to go for an excess levy at the state to get permission to raise it up to that higher amount, something like 28%. If they don't get that, what services will be cut back? Those are all things I think are legitimate questions that the city council will be asking as well. Mm-hmm. Susan? We, we on the city council are constantly looking to expand transportation. I, I uh, facilitate the Affordable Living Committee. We're looking at the cost of our residents for food costs, transportation costs, childcare costs, healthcare costs. It's all about affordability. And transportation, of course, is controlled by a lot of state funding, state and federal funding. But we're constantly wanting to expand expand our service uh, to help those residents that need the additional service. Obviously, the service from here to Ivy Tech has been an issue. So yes, we are going to be looking to do the absolute best job we can within our purview and whatever we need to do with the with the proper funding. Um, I, I do want to go back just for a minute to talk about who we serve as elected officials. Because I know my colleagues and I certainly know myself that when we are in a position of being public servants that we all view ourselves as, we don't just serve the people who come out to vote for us. 
we serve our city, we serve our county, and we serve our region. And so with respect to job loss, job creation, one of the things I think the city of Bloomington is very proactive in thinking about is just that. None of us want to destroy businesses, small, large, medium. We're all working with the BEDC, the Chamber of Commerce, all of our partners in the economic development world. How do we make the city of Bloomington as vibrant as we possibly can with all the resources at our disposal, including doing a better job with transportation. I think that will be a challenge for us because again, we don't always control the, the, the resources that go into our wonderful Bloomington Transit, but we will certainly be looking at that because we're not just looking at the small corner of Bloomington, we're looking at the entire region, including you know, what, what this will do to county resources. Okay. Can Mick, maybe you can explain how, how this would affect the average person given the property tax cap i guess i'm i'm unclear on that and i assume maybe some other people are too so doesn't that control then how much you could be taxed um i am not the city controller <laughs> and i will tell you a layman's version of what i understand and, and council member hawk is very knowledgeable about this so she may want to chime in and correct me if i'm inaccurate but i'm going to try to explain it from what i understand so as as marty said earlier you're you're your property tax is going to be capped at 1% if you're a, a, the primary re- resident homeowner, uh, 2% if you rent, and 3% if you're a business. So when you bump up against those caps, if, if your tax is up against the 1% now, that's it. You can't tax somebody more than that. So it could be that some of these annexations impact some of those ceilings and hit those, ta- those circuit breakers. I don't know that well enough to tell you individually how that affects everybody or business or each of those properties, but that is in the fiscal analysis Mm -hmm. and that is something that each of the property owners can look up and find out for themselves. And to be determined based on how the discussions go and how the plan is is subsequently changed between now and the time we're we're in a position to vote on it. Mm We have a couple of phone calls, so let's let's get to the phones, and then Marty will let you respond. So Marty, another Marty from Bloomington is uh, on the phone. Marty? Yeah. Uh, well, I'm for the annexation, but I think it has to be uh, accepted uh, more or less as a package, because that area of the Northeast uh, is undoubt- undoubtedly going to pay more than the kind of new services that they're going to receive. And they're very much aware of that, and that's why some of the council members have said that that, group, that area sure. ought to be detached. But in fact, um, uh, nearby areas need services like paving that that particular type, uh, that particular neighborhood doesn't need. And what's more, uh, we are very much in need of a new firehouse, as everybody on the council knows, and more uh, police protection. Unless we get the, uh, the fair uh, taxes from them the way they get them from me, then the city won't be able to afford the kind of uh, basic services, fire and police, that uh, we've been scrimping on. Uh, so uh, I think that the idea that uh, an area uh, should be able to cut itself off is really self-serving and doesn't help the overall, um, uh, the overall prosperity of Bloomington as a whole. And I don't think that uh, council members ought to allow that um, uh, because uh, people are going to look at their individual uh, balance of 
benefits and costs. And they're going to say, I don't need this. And that's true of that neighborhood. They don't need it. But in but Bloomington needs them. And that's the message that I hope um, their council members would uh, uh, would give them. Um, uh, the uh, These people are not so selfish that they won't understand that. All right, Marty. Thanks a lot for the call. Susan, you want a quick reaction before we go to the next caller? Well, you know, he raises good points about the individual to say, I don't want to be annexed because I don't want my taxes raised and I don't need anything you have to offer. I think uh, we will be having some healthy discussions about uh, people's misunderstandings about what that is. We're not going to be forcing city services on people who maybe already have things that they need and want. But I think this is a good conversation to have about what the city of Bloomington can offer uh, with respect to um, additional things that maybe they haven't thought about, and then also their contributions to making sure that the city of Bloomington does have uh, adequate resources to manage the growth, the new urbanization that's coming coming through. Um, I, I hesitate to use words like self-interest and selfish. I understand people's anxiety. I understand their fears. No one wants to have taxes raised. Um, but when we do the analysis of what actually it's going to benefit, not just city residents, but again, the entire economic, um, how it develops out, how it, how it does attract more great businesses to the area, I think when we look at it, and you've used the term net neutral, um, I think the, the costs may, and benefits may pretty much even out for people. And it won't be as big of an adjustment as you think. All right. I, I'm, our next caller, I think, has something that's sort of along those lines of growth. So, Ken from Bloomington, go ahead. Uh, yeah. Um, hi. I live on the west side in a city section of Highland Village, and I've been reading the uh, plan. And one thing I noticed, while we're increasing the population of the city from 12 to 18 percent, depending whose number you use, um, there's just a very simple statement on governance that the city council's at nine people, six districts, and three at large, and that doesn't need to change. And we're adding literally one-sixth more population. That seems to be um, <coughs> So, yeah, so, Ken, you're saying uh, adding, adding, or that, just saying that the governance of the city is going to stay the same with the same number of people may not make sense. Is that what you're saying? Well, well, that and there's nothing in the plan that shows how city um, representative districts would change. I gotcha. Okay, that that is true. And the census drives the next round of that discussion, and that's not till 2020. So it that will is a factor. It will it will change, and those those lines will have to be changed as well to reflect that. And Ken's right. It's you know 15 percent uh, more, 15,000 people, not quite 15 percent more population could be added. Mm-hmm. Marty, we've got about three minutes to go. So. Okay, d- just uh, to to make it clear, the way this is going to be effective is that it won't become effective until after the city election. So the very people who are affected by this won't even be able to vote that that year for because they it won't be effective until, what, two months later or something of the sort. And so I, I can feel the frustration there. I know we're going to get to the other side of this. I understand annexation of some is going to happen. It's many of us hope that, that it will be scaled way back and that it, it will uh, be slowed down enough that people will understand and, and begin to, to look at ways that we can 
compromise and work together, especially having to do with all of the infrastructure that has to be in place to meet I-69 to to, to be able to get those side roads and everything ready. Uh, how do we work together so that the city helps the county pay for a lot of that expense that we thought we were going to do? Why would the county move forward with that? How can we move forward with that? Mick, last 30 seconds. We've just, if you want to just summarize and sum up how we're, the process and where we are right now. Well, I hope everybody takes a breath. And uh, I understand the angst. I understand the concern. It's fair. It's understandable. It's a big issue if it affects your property. It's a big issue if it doesn't. It's going to change the way the community looks and feels in the future. That's fair. Um, we're just starting the process. There's a lot of great questions. And as we get them, I want to mention again, go to our website. We're constantly updating the information at bloomington.in.gov annex so people can look and understand in real time what new information we have we want to engage with our county colleagues we've extended that invitation and and we know they want to do the same as they process the information we look forward to those discussions they're important we can't as a community as susan sandberg said we're, we're a regional this is a regional discussion it's far more than just city and county the economic engine of this community uh, revolves around discussions like this and if this helps us talk more okay, that's a good outcome out of this no matter what because we need to think of ourselves besides just the individual neighborhoods we are, how this impacts me personally, but more globally than that. And I hope people will do that, and please continue to ask your questions. We're open for them, and, and we look forward to this discussion uh, going on as long as it may take uh -huh. to get to the, okay. to the point uh -huh. that, that it concludes. I'm going to have to cut this off. We're out of time. It's been a very lively discussion about annexation. I want to thank uh, Mick Renizen and Marty Hawk and Susan Sandberg all for being here with us today. For producer Ryan DeBattista, uh, engineer Mike Pashkash, and co-host Sarah Whitmire, I'm Bob Salzberg. Thanks for listening. Edition is a production of WFIU and the Herald Times. A podcast of this and other WFIU programs is available at WFIU.org. Production support comes from School of Public Health Bloomington. Public Health Reimagined, addressing 21st century health challenges with a multidisciplinary approach to disease prevention, health promotion, and enhancing quality of life. Publichealth.indiana.edu and Smithville Fiber, the Gigacity Company. Fiber Internet, HD, and digital IPTV in Southern Indiana. More information at smithville.com.